This episode of That Does It, Madam, is brought to you by Grace Brothers Instant Queen Pudding. Perfect for the lactose intolerant and vegans. Now, with extra monosodium glutamate. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is a very special episode of That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello, Unanimous. Whoa! Guess what, Jeff? What's that, Brandon? Tonight on a very special episode of That Does Suit, Madam. <laughs> this is number... So there's three extremely exciting reasons why this is an exciting episode. Is Blossom going to get her period? She already did, and that's number one! Oh. No, number, <laughs> number one, it's the 20th episode of the podcast. We have done 20 frickin' episodes of That Does Suit, Madam. That's fantastic. I, I can't... Thank you, Gladys. Gladys, we um, love you. You know, I can't believe this. This has gone from uh, a silly little project we were talking about last summer to a quarantine project, something that's actually real for 20 episodes. We're, I'm not even convinced there's an outside world anymore, and this is the only, <laughs> this is going to, uh, you know, Armageddon, you know, bombed out world. I don't know. I'm in my quarantine. So that's number one. Number two, this is the namesake episode of That Does Suit Madam. What does that mean, Jeff? Well, it's, it contains the little bit that um, our, our dear old podcast is named for, <laughs> where the, the guest for the wedding needs a hat. Harry. Wedding. wedding. Harry. Oh, that does suit Madam. So we'll get into that, right, Unanimous? Yeah. And but, Jeff, what's the third special exciting thing about this episode? Well, we have a special guest host with us this, uh, this episode. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I am very proud to announce Melbourne's busiest homosexual, Mr. Dean Arcuri. Yay! Hello, hello! Yay! I'm free! Welcome, welcome! <laughs> it's so exciting. Welcome we have, to the pod. We are, we are a bi-hemispheric podcast tonight. <laughs> Is that a word? You made it one. I don't know. So welcome, Dean. Thank you very much. I've loved every single time I've been listening to the podcast and you've mentioned that, you know, you've got listeners in Australia and I'm like, that's me. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> might be more. I don't know, but it's definitely me since episode one. I will one. say, so we've got a really, so Anchor, um, the sponsor, the actual real sponsor of the podcast, we always make them up, but um, it's really cool because on their app, they show you where every single freaking listener is. There are so many listeners in Australia, um, so many of them in Ohio. Like, you can pinpoint where these people are. You're, you're among <laughs> Exotic friends. Exotic places like Ohio? <laughs> Australia. It's, it's actually in Australia. You didn't know that Ohio? Australia? Oh, okay. Yeah. Got yeah, it. It's, it's a big place. Yeah. So, um, no, you've, you're in good company. So, we, so, tell us, Dean. We'd love to know um, what the hell. What the hell, Australia, are you being served? Is it just like one of these things where... For some reason, it was on PBS version, your PBS, whatever it is down there, and a bunch of like 14-year-old gay boys saw it and they loved it. Is that a well, worldwide yeah, we, phenomenon? We, 
We had that kind of in one way on our <laughs> version of PBS, which is ABC. And we'd have like the afternoon show that would um, show like Adrian Mole, Degrassi High, uh, yes, Prime, uh, yes Minister, Are You Being Served? It, old episodes of Doctor Who. It was kind of where they'd shove all these things that you we could watch that all of our parents had watched, you know, when they were growing up or in Safe. the 70s or 80s, stuff like that. And for me, I remember after school just sitting down and watching all these different shows and falling in love with them. But Are You Being Served was also um, on weekends and things like... In my mind, it's really funny. In my mind, I didn't think there was as much variety in the episodes until I started re-watching and re-listening with you guys. Because uh, it, it's <laughs> it's that kind of formulaic, you know, there's every character, they have their usual things, the stuff kind of happens. And that's the beauty of British comedy, you yeah. know, is, is these series that they made where you, there's this atypical thing. And in my mind, it's it's gone for like hundreds and hundreds of episodes but you know that's also the nature of British shows where they never go as long but they feel like they do so I remember watching Are You Being Served all the time and it was one of those things that was always on whether at my nono nono's house or something you just turn the TV on and it it was there and I loved it yeah yeah um and we understand that you um, you have a special connection to Mrs. Slocum. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, I do. I I have a um, I have a uh, my I say my drag persona, my queer alter ego, Frock Hudson. Ooh, I like that. And and I'm a cabaret comedian. So when I was going, oh, you know what? I'm getting fat. My hair's going grey. Why not do drag? Still can't do makeup. But uh, why not do drag to kind of mix things <laughs> Neither up? Neither could bit. she. So you're you're all right. <laughs> In case things were going backwards. And I didn't, I'm like, I'm, I'm not a lip syncer, but I figured I had to come up with a kind of lip sync routine. And, 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 and nearly every wig I've ever gotten has been one when a drag queen's been throwing a wig out. And a lovely friend of mine, Lexi Gaga, was getting rid of this amazing purple wig that they'd used as a... Hello. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. But they'd used it, was it fate, for... The hand of fate. Well, in Australia, when you think a purple wig, no one automatically thinks Mrs. Slocum. Priscilla, My right? Bra- well, no, not even, even a little bit further back. My brain has gone dead now, and I don't know why. I'm like, Gladys, um, I can't believe oh, I'm Oh, Dame Edna Everidge. Dame Edna, I can't Hello, believe I'm sitting here and just going, <laughs> yeah, and, and it, was, it was exactly that style and exactly that look. But, you know, I'm Italian and short and fat, so I would look more Maria than um, Dame Edna. So I went in another direction. And for my first show that I did at the Spiegel Tent with a band and everything, my lick suit number was a mashup of Mrs. Slocum and I got the outfit made, had the shirt and everything. And it was just mixing pop songs and replacing the lyrics with Mrs. Slocum saying pussy or other things all throughout the song. And it was it We was know heavy. that she loves her cat tittles. I mean, she's that a very awesome. parent. And finding songs, you know, like, and just replacing it with Mrs. Slocum paying pussy was so much fun. <laughs> so if you have a video of your performance, we would love to put it on the Facebook group because I know all of the unanimous members, the <laughs> world around, would love to see that. Well, I'm going to have to see if I can find it. But if I can't, let's face it, I mean, I I could just recreate it. We'll just, re- <laughs> just recreate all it. All three of us, I think, need to, to recreate it. But, Absolutely. Um, I think you need to make the listeners of this podcast a promise, Dean, that if Frock Hudson ever makes an appearance on a drag race franchise, (gasps) that you do Mrs. Slocum for your snatch game. Oh, absolutely. 
and you have to do a frill reveal where you just rip your frills off and reveal more and more frills all around. More and more frills. But the beauty of Mrs. Slocum is there'd be a hair reveal as well. Like, I'd love to do Mrs. Slocum. They're so, you know, and, and when you think about it with Drag Race, that's the thing where they, they, you think of that simple little bit of comedy like they have on that show. Like, it's yeah. always the same lines, the same things, yeah. and you just nail it every time and you're laughing. Yeah, it's like that's they take awesome. one little, like, they'll, they'll boil um, a celebrity down to, like, scurvy. Or something, you know. <laughs> and then, like, we're all laughing because we're gay men and we love RuPaul's Drag Race. But, like, we can say uh, raspberries and we're just dying laughing. Like, it's totally... They're ne- I've, I think we said on one of the cu- first couple episodes, there should be a Mrs. Slocum Snatch Game contestant. Oh, it would so be could, so good. Could someone explain for the four people out there who don't know what Snatch Game is? <laughs> Somebody. So, yeah. So, RuPaul's Drag Race is... Uh, a gay queer uh, drag fe- uh, a, a contest that happens uh, twice a year on VH1 now. And one of the uh, episodes every year is a parody of The Match Game, which is uh, an old uh, 70s game show, also known as Blankety Blanks in UK or uh, some oh, of the common Blankety Blanks, yeah. And so it's where uh, the drag queens will do their celebrity impersonations, but also have to be very witty and be able to answer fill-in-the-blank style comedy questions Mm. with a pun, with a sexual innuendo, with something that turns the character into a send-up. You know, it's not as far as a caricature or a parody, but it's also not very faithful and reverent. It's kind of somewhere in between. So, yeah, I think that Mrs. Slocum would be be a perfect uh, match for you, Dean, for this. Oh, it'd be so much fun. Yeah, yeah, so if, if, you're, if you're in Britain, so if you ever remember, like, in the 90s, Paul O'Grady had a show called Lily Savage, Blankety Blank. Yep. That's, that's another version of the same idea. So it's just it's exactly so right. easy and cute. It's really good for people with, like, powerful, like, big personalities. And I think we have some of those <laughs> on the podcast this evening. Just a bit. Just, just a bit. <laughs> Love it. So, Dean, how is, um, how is Melbourne doing in Isolation Part 2? Well, right now when we're record, well when we're recording this podcast and when it'll be released, we're in yeah we're in like lockdown stage two, and here in Melbourne we're in stage four, which means I can leave my house for one hour a day for either exercise, food shopping, or um, I can't remember what the other reason is because I don't think it was really relevant. Oh, like an like essential work. Luckily, okay. I I'm also of the many hats that I wear. I'm also a journalist, and I've got permission to. Um, leave to do some... Re- I do a, a queer community thing every single week. But there's really no reason for it because everyone else is trying to stay isolated, so I'm doing it all <laughs> offline. But yeah, so I'm pretty much just in my house and I've slowly been cleaning and then re-cleaning and then reorganising. And then I or, you know, did that thing how you order food that gets delivered and then you can make the meals. Then I cancelled yeah. yep. that because I yep. realised I just Same. wasn't cooking half the food. Um, yeah, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at home and, and being the busy homosexual that I am, I still keep myself busy and I'm doing a lot of Zooms, connecting people and community or or trivias or entertainment stuff because otherwise I'd be going nuts, which everyone is kind of doing. So yeah, right yeah. now, yeah, we've got another three, three and a half weeks of this stage and then we're going to see where we're at. But the numbers have reduced more than half in um, community transmissions, which is one of those good things. Like, I know a lot of people... Some people struggle to wear masks outside. Some people struggle to wash their hands, Mm -hmm. you know, and everyone feels isolated right now, whether you're wearing a mask or whatever. Like, I actually live in a building, good Italian boy that I am, where my parents are actually across the hall. 
Oh, nice. um, and and my brother and okay. sister run run the business downstairs. Now their business is closed. No business. If you can work from home, you have to. So most bi- businesses have completely shut. But um, it's that weird thing of, yeah, I'm across the hall from my parents, but we can't see each other and they can't figure out Zoom. So our way of communicating has been dad just leaves a bottle of wine on my, on my doorstep. And <laughs> That's then, nice. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm loving it. And he's leaving like expensive wine. I, I can't afford this kind of wine. I can afford a $10, $15 bottle. He's leaving me good shit. So yeah, yeah. And just figuring out different ways to keep connected and engaged. Well, we're wow. glad to hear that you and your family are, are doing well. Um, what about queer spaces in Melbourne? Are, are they going to be able to survive this? Or um, Look, it's a massive struggle. We, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, we had like 20 different bars and spaces. Now we've got six and they're all doing it really, really tough. Um, I do a lot of major events and hosting and things at the only men-only gay bar in the Southern Hemisphere, the Laird Hotel. And this year is their 40th anniversary, and we haven't. We had all this stuff planned, and we've every single week we cancel another thing and do things mm, differently, yeah. and and every every business suffering. Actually, today while we're recording this, one of them, the 86, which has been closed mm-hmm. now for four months, and they have no idea. Like I've spoken to the owner, and he's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come February even be open, even Damn. if we can reopen our doors, if the landlord will let us. They've just opened out the front of their place a donut and toasty and coffee shop, which is open today. Oh, wow. So creativity, okay. right? Yeah. Everyone's just trying to think of whatever ways they can to not only make a bit of money, but keep connected as well. Because the hard thing that we've got is we had here in, in Australia, you know, renters and landlords couldn't screw over renters until the 15th of September. But here in Victoria, obviously, because we've had the lockdown go in a much harsher way because community transmissions were increasing... Um, not that we have it, we don't have it here in Australia or even in Victoria as bad as many other parts of the world. But it does show if you stay inside, it makes a big difference. If you stay home, the numbers do go down. But um, a lot of the spaces, yeah, like it's, it's, it's going to be hard as well because as we go back, it's going to be, okay, we can allow 50 people. And a lot of the venues, it's not financially viable for them to open their doors and only get 50 people in. Like they need yeah. to be making a certain amount of money too. It's a volume but, kind of thing. Yeah. But the good thing about we have an amazing queer community here in Victoria, like amazing. Uh, it's really connected. It's really engaging. So I every little thing that a business does, whether it's we're going to sell bottle openers or we're getting rid of our, you know, our beer is running out in a in a week and we've got to get rid of it. Does anyone want beer for twenty bucks? Everyone is stepping in and doing whatever they can uh, to just give support. Like some businesses have even just been they've made t-shirts and we've just bought them. I bought them and I'll give them away as Christmas presents. Like there's no, yeah. I don't really even like them, but. That's the beauty of the queer community. Like, we'll figure out what we can do. That's, that's really encouraging to hear, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's such a contrast, Jeff, wouldn't you say? Um, because every week we sort of like say, so how you doing, Jeff? How, how you doing, Brandon? And we'll explain things. And it just seems like here in the States that there doesn't seem to be a plan or anything in the future. Like, we don't know what stage we're in. Like, there's the, the idea of going to a bar. I don't. And I don't see that so in far the future it's, whatsoever. No. So it's good to hear that the rest of the world, hopefully, um, will get to a good place. Whereas us, who, who knows? Um, well, we we have other states. Yeah, we have other states here in Australia that are they have no transmissions. It's business as usual for them. Wow. Other ones where it can be like ten to twenty people in a house, and we were like that between stage one and stage two, uh, four that we're in now. 
uh, we were able to have like five people over and that made a huge difference for everybody sure. just to be able yeah. to, you know, have that kind of connection. But yeah, right now we're locked down. But when I think about it, the UK were in this place when we were kind of just finding out about the coronavirus, a lot of right. the United Kingdom was in this lockdown level that I'm in now. And I think one of the reasons why I'm able to handle it so well is we've had that build up, but also yeah. we've been able to learn from other people in other countries about how they're handling it or how they're doing Don't it. Don't do what we do. And not, that's not, us. Yeah. not us. Yeah. Yeah, so Americans, please, you know, take a page from our Australian friends and um, support your communities. Stay home. If you have to go out, wear a mask, wash your hands, register to vote, especially in our swing states, Iowa, Ohio, Georgia, North Carolina, Arizona, Florida. Please, 76 days, please vote. So let me just jump in So real quickly. Yeah. Remember I mentioned the Anchor uh, app we use to to do our podcast. They really do divide up the data. So we really can't see where you all are. And... Um, <laughs> If you go to vote.org right now, after you listen to the podcast, of course, you can find out the easiest way to register to vote because it is 76 days away if you're in the States, United States, not Australian States. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Sardine. Um, but so the swing states of Iowa, Ohio, so you guys listening, Georgia, North Carolina, all right, Arizona, Florida. We have listeners in each of those states, <laughs> and those are all the swing states. So if you folks can go to vote.org and register to vote and get your people to vote, uh, register to vote, um, we need you because we don't want to be in lockdown anymore. We want to have fun like Dean down in uh, Victoria in uh, Australia. So please, can you? There. That's one We're of done. the things I love that you guys do on this podcast, even though there's a lot to talk about, a lot of different things, is reminding people, you know, voting is important. Registering to vote is so important. I think it's really fantastic. Because you have to register here, unlike yeah. in Australia, right? But um, No, yeah, we, we have to vote. After we don't have over, freedom uh, sausages, I'm afraid, either. <laughs> oh, my God. They're the highlight. The reason why everyone gets out to vote is because there's a sausage chisel waiting at the very end. So there's like a barbecue at every voter yeah. precinct in Australia. <laughs> yeah. So it's like and kind of a thing. It's Maybe that motivation we need to go in this out country. and do it. <laughs> but it is so important. Go register to vote. Go out and do, make sure you vote. Make your vote count. Yeah. Biden and Harris. on top of that, on top of that, Black Lives Black Matter. Black Lives Matter. Don't forget yeah. that yeah. soon. So um, we have a podcast, right? I mean, what's this Something about? Something about that. Some show, yeah. I don't know. That does suit Dean or Curry. Um, super fans out there, just like Dean, we want to thank you again thank for you. engaging with us and listening to us. Um, uh, Brandon recently started a contest on Facebook <laughs> to do everyone's favorite um, grocery store announcement, Bing Frozen Peas. And I am appalled <gasps> that you used what? a picture of Sainsbury's Peas. Why not Waitrose? You know what? No, I'm kidding. Oh, you, <laughs> you, you live in a semi-detached house. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I do shop at Sainsbury's when I'm over there. Um, super fan Jeff White it. pointed something when I'm slumming it right now. Ah. Uh, Co-op Poundland. Yeah. Um, super fan Jeff White pointed out something from last week's Christmas Crackers episode. He just got a brand new TV that does um, a widescreen um, aspect ratio. And when they go to reveal the gentleman's department, uh, where they did it over in the Christmas, whatever. On the Christmas Crackers that, episode. Yeah. You can see that there's a cameraman in the gentleman's fitting room. What? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure uh, Mr. Humphreys has nothing to do with it. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, he was busy with Goddard, right? Yes. 
Um, we also got a very sweet message from Ursula sharing some memories about how Ursula. she used to reenact skits um, from the show with her siblings. So sweet. So even though our podcast has an explicit tag uh, <laughs> that it's over 18, I think this is proof that uh, the family that Are You Being Serves together stays together. Well, the, yeah. I'm, we're assuming her brother is at least 18 because it does have an explicit tag. <laughs> but uh, thank you, uh, um, Ursula. It was a very sweet email. She yeah. was just gushing how much. I mean, she wasn't gushing, but uh, <laughs> uh, very sweet email. And apparently, so her brother made an Are You Being Served version of the Clue board game. Yeah. Right? It's really, really so fun to watch. when you land on Mrs. Slocum, she gets drunk and you have to go back three spaces. <laughs> <laughs> So now I'm picturing Dean drunk at a cabaret uh, playing Clue. I don't know, because it's funny. It's pretty standard. Yeah, that's no, pretty it's great. standard. So, like, I asked, like, can you please, like, send us photos or directions right. and we can make it a thing? So it was really cool to hear from you, Ursula. Thanks. It was the manageress in the boardroom with the Rizzles. With the Rizzles. <laughs> <laughs> with the shepherd's pie, yeah. Um, it was really cool. So, um, and. Yep. You've also all written in to tell us what are some of your favorite episodes that are upcoming that you can't clear wait for. Winner. And the two, the two clear winners are, Oh, What a Tangled Web, which is coming up a little bit later in season four. <laughs> the, um, so you spent the night in a car shelter with Steven. It was Stephanie and Carl Schulten. <laughs> oh, that was and such a funny then, episode where like they have a trial in the boardroom. They have a whole trial. And then Mr. Mr. I love that Mr. Uh, young Mr. Gray says, have you written it all down? And she's like, yes, Mr. Grace. Well, throw it away. This is confidential. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> oh, God. And the other episode people cannot wait, and it's one of my favorites, and I'm sure everyone out there would agree, um, the takeover, where we get yeah. to see everyone, like, act as, like, Lady Weebleable Smith and uh, Lavinia, what's Lavinia. her face? Who just well, lost four times the birds. She's name is Her name is Bucky, according to her friends. <laughs> oh, that was such a good so, one. So, thank you, super fans. You've all done very well. Yes, thank you. Brandon, so, why do you take us back in time and tell us what happened when this episode was happening in the world when this episode so every premiered. I have to make it because it's such a we have a special guest star from the south of the world so we're, we're, I'm, I'm all just giddy every time <laughs> every, <laughs> I'm just keeping it light and gay um, every time that we start talking about what happened this week in the news when this aired this episode aired I always want to do the little Wayne's World thing where he goes <laughs> and every time, every month, I've resisted, but I just can't. It's the it's it's the Australian. I just feel it in my waters. I'm from Australia, it's just oh god. <laughs> I don't know. We also love Kath and Kim as well on the podcast. So half oh, of the so things I know about Australia came from Kath and Kim, which is very sad, Ka oh, actually. That's terrifying. That's I absolutely know. terrifying. But <laughs> fantastic. We love it. Uh, anyhow, so uh, this uh, episode premiered in the 8th of April, 1976. Um, so that was an important week because a little company called Apple, no, not the Beatles record company, although that was a whole litigation thing. Um, Apple Computer started in Cupertino, which at the time was, oh, a little backwater, you know, nothing big. They used mm. to grow tomatoes and stuff over there. And then uh, Apple Computer. So that was an important week. And uh, without that, I don't know if podcasts would have ever happened. Right? Probably or, not. So not. I know you spent some time in the Bay Area. How far is Cupertino from San Francisco proper? Um, 
it's like maybe 25 miles. It's pretty okay. close. Pretty close. It's uh, so if you think, so if you think of this Bay Area as like holding up your fist, uh, Cupertino would be like your the crook of your arm, basically, and San Francisco is your fist. Okay, got it. It works. I've got no depth perception, so I'm not sure. Like I'm like, <laughs> how long is that? Sure, okay. You're like, is it my elbow? <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? We have um, Conrail became. I'm not doing this very well, am I? Con See, <laughs> Jeff normally does this. Conrail became operating in the United States to take over the failing private regional railroad. It, began, it ran until 1983 when services were transferred to the States, Jeff. Did that well, sound professional? Our, I mean, or? It totally did. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, it's, it's, uh, what came after it, Amtrak, is just running train service into the ground here. But it's interesting. So I'm about to take a trip to California. Uh, I hear there's gold in them in their hills. Um, <laughs> so because I don't want to fly because, you know, we, we don't have any hold on COVID in the States. Um, I thought, well, what if I took the train? And it's interesting. You would think they'd be really cheap. But no, because people aren't no. flying. Everyone's well, taking the train. Well, it's never cheap. They've never been cheap. It's not because people aren't flying. They've never been. It's in Australia, it costs you the same amount of money. And in the, when I was in the UK, it's that kind of thing where unless you get a flight that's really early in the morning, like it's, it's never been cheap. It's just, yeah, it's what it is. Yeah, it's a beautiful trip, but, you know, sheesh. So. It is a nice way to travel, though. So what are we going? What kind of episode's going on, Jeff? Yeah. So um, this is the beginning of uh, the fourth series. And like a lot of the episodes, it starts first thing in the morning. Uh, we see the cleaners, Ivy and Ethel, who are at it, and Mr. Rumble steps off the lift. Immediately, he yells at them for still being on the floor, and it's nearly 8.30, right? And so Ivy snaps back. She's like, it's the, it's the early start. You know, we're not used to it yet. My old man had to fit with his leg up, and he had to get his own breakfast. I don't I know. I have no I idea mean. what she says. <laughs> Dean, can you shed any light on that with leg You're up You're in the means? Commonwealth. What does it mean? I mean, I just took it as, you know kick his ass into gear like that's that's yeah. how i took it you know I'm giving someone a leg up just helping but yeah nah he had to get up and do it himself maybe i don't know that was not the way i first pictured it but <laughs> considering it's asshole, i didn't think that she had it in her yeah um so we learned that grace brothers is going to be opening a half an hour early in order to uh catch the customers on their way to work one must experiment says mr rumble that's why we built the concord um they really do take pride in the Cogger over there. This they've is the second that time before. they've mentioned it. Yeah, I forget yeah. which episode it was, but they're like, they, I think they might have even said the same line. S something similar to that. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, oh, they talked about, that was the episode where they talked, they made up a synthetic fabric name. Like right. Concordia Tongon. or something stupid. <laughs> something. So I'm a huge Concord nut. I'm like a nerd when it comes to this. So if you're ever Did you in New go? York. What's that? Have you ever been? Well, no. Um, but, okay. So if you go to the uh, Intrepid, USS Intrepid on the Hudson River in, in New York City, um, they have an actual Concorde from um, British Airways, like one of the last ones. You yeah. can go in it. Fantastic. So if no one's really heard about what the Concorde is, um, it was a supersonic airplane that would go from London to New York and sometimes to Paris. Um going Mach 2. It would actually break the sound barrier, and you would fly way high up in the clouds. Um, and it was sort of like... It, it, it stopped... It was like from 1976 to like 2003. So it's kind of like an old thing now. Like, people don't... Like, yeah. that's kind of why I thought we could mention it, because you might not have heard it. But it would go 
from London to New York in under three hours. That's which insane. is insane. Yeah. But it would also like use so much power. Like the fuel was insane yeah. and it used to get yeah. really hot. So um, with the advent of the internet, people didn't really have to travel around as much or as quickly. So sort of like, eh, it doesn't make sense anymore. But it's cool to hear like, are we being served? Like just love the Concorde because it was sort of like the Americans, we had the space program and Britain kind of had the Concorde. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, anyway, that's a little funny thing about the Concorde. And Australia has sausage sizzles. At yeah, North we have we, we have none of that. We have sausage sizzles at the <laughs> and argue about and fountain lakes, fountain lakes. That's all you need. Fountain lakes, fountain <laughs> lakes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Different uniqueness, noise. So um, um, Captain Peacock shows up. Um, he stops in after um, stopping over at Fred's Cafe for a coffee and a bacon buddy. What happened to Beppo's? They sponsored this episode. Have they gone out of business already? Uh, Poor old Beppo. He was sounding kind of old when we got the negotiation phone call. Yeah, that's true. It wasn't a good day for him. Yeah, maybe the trip to northern Mississippi just, like, put him out of it you know, completely. We had to, like, we, we put him in the Motel 6, and he just said there were a lot of bed bugs. <laughs> and he was, uh, oh, well, rest in peace, Beppo. We miss you. Yeah. Miss um, Brahms is next to arrive in a motorcycle and helmet. I first thought it was Mr. Humphrey. I did, too. I did, too. I did, as well. <laughs> we know you've been in an, an outfit like that. Yeah. Pretty recent, <laughs> I'm sure. I just yeah. love how confused everyone is for just half an hour extra. Like, and I forgot until you said it here that in my mind it was like an hour or two. Yeah, earlier me too. Because everyone's oh. just so having such a hard time getting started, and it's half an hour. I just blows my mind. <laughs> right, just completely thrown off their schedule. Yeah, habit. People have habit. habit right? Yes. Yeah. Um. Speaking of habits, uh, Mrs. Brown, Ms. Brown's picked up Mrs. Slocum in the sidecar, and she was not facing front. Her hair is all flat. Of course so there's a sidecar, and Mrs. Slocum is in it. I love it. She is in a right state coming in. She's going to have to spend a fortune at Madame Barrel's to get it fixed. And we learned that having a bath at 6 o'clock in the morning played havoc with her pussy. So, <laughs> Well, he sleeps in the airing cupboard, you know, and it's right next. And the gurgling of the tank wakes, wakes her up, Jeff. Cats need sleep too. I always miss cats... the explanations. I always miss the explanations in the show because I'm too busy laughing at the <laughs> word pussy. <laughs> Do, does anyone know what an airing cupboard is? We don't well, have those it's... in this country. Yeah, no? you, I mean, they had, I mean, in the UK, especially because they had such small places, like that's where all the, um, you'd put hang your clothes or whatever because it would be so cold outside and it'd keep everything warm and dry it all and like a drying cupboard. Yeah, so here in here in the states, if you have a hot water heater, like a, a fifty gallon or a two hundred liter hot water heater, if you have a freestanding house, it's in the basement. But if you're, it's in a flat, it might be like locked away in a mechanical room. It's not in like a cupboard where there's space to like hang uh, clothes with the radiant heat. Yeah, we don't have that here. Around oh, these parts. okay. So it's basically you have a water water heater in a part of your apartment. And then in that space, you have like a bit where you hang your clothes when it's get all mucky and damp and yeah. it dries it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Granger is next to arrive and he's got a, a bandage on his head. Uh, his <laughs> wife hit him over the head uh, with a bottle of bismuth or Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> he sounds like new Richard Nixon. I love he him does. so much. I know. Isn't he great? He's so horrible in a lovely way. 
Um, and then finally, our hero, Mr. Humphreys, arrives wearing a sailor's costume. And what an entrance. What an entrance he gets into this episode. The, right? The, like, the, they just break out into applause. The, it's they're, like the Humphrey show so at this point. Like, it's season yeah. four. That's why they're coming. You can tell they're all gay in the audience, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it turns out he's been hitchhiking because he was at a party over the weekend up in Newcastle-upon-Tyne and had to leave at 4 o'clock in the morning. And that was the only way he could get to London early enough to make it to work. Um, what, that's a five-hour like drive. On, hopping on a, um, on a ship? Or was I'm he pretending to be a sailor? Oh, uh, I thought he took a boat with a sailor. That would make more sense. No, no, he I hitchhiked mean, you, on like a navy ship. Yeah. You cut straight through the innuendo and go for the inappropriate. But yeah, it's the hitchhiking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so innocent. I don't actually know what that's inappropriate, but I'll just keep moving. Yes, that's ha ha ha. Yes, I get it. Yes. <laughs> Um, he, Humphreys, Mr. Humphreys used to wear the whole uniform for, hit, uh, to hitchhiking because apparently he's done this before. Um, but people kept wanting to touch his collar for luck. That's not a thing here. Is that a thing in Australia? Uh, it's not a thing in Australia. I, I'd never heard it before, but you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anything Anybody? to get some touching in this COVID times would be fine. Maybe I'll start doing it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, as soon as as soon as I can leave my house on a more regular basis, colour me wearing a sailor's outfit just so people can touch me. Yeah, and and your um, and your uh, Mrs. Slocum wig. <laughs> Mrs. Slocum um, uh, says that she bets that he used to meet a lot of nice girls that way. I did. Um, and he also met a roving reporter, a trendy bishop, a string vestite, and a dustman with a very interesting tale to tell. So I love how he says that, bing, bang, bang, bang. But what is a right. string vestite? So a string vest, we call it an ah, undershirt. Okay. Or, the, or the, other, the other word for it, uh, the slur for it, is wife beater. That's okay. horrible. So yeah, just, I understand like a, wife beater, yeah. Yeah. So it's like a, a punk who like, would wear like, a string vest. Uh, uh, as, a, as a shirt. It's almost like a 1976 way of calling someone a, a chav. Not necessarily a chav, but if you think like uh, uh, Sex Pistols punk. Yeah. Like that oh, kind of look. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I just assumed yeah. it was a fun word for a transvestite. That's what I thought too. But now I'm the curious end part about of the word, but... this interesting tale from the dustman. Like, what does that mean? Some things are better left a mystery. That means that he had a dalliance with the dustman, just like with Mr. with Goddard. <laughs> Mr. Humphreys was the interesting tale that got told. <laughs> um, the bell goes. Captain Peacock asks Mrs. Slocum to uncover her bust. She's appalled for a second until she realizes it's <laughs> the dummy. Um, and then Lucas comes running down the stairs, shaving with an electric razor. Yes! I love how much, and I love that entrance, but how much Captain Peacock delivers these lines with no idea of what he's saying, like with such command that he can't be inappropriate. Mrs. Slocum, uncover your busts. Like, yeah. stupid. <laughs> just like last week when he asked her if she required stuffing. He just deadpan, not yeah. having a clue that he's being uh, in his double entendre. It's yeah. I just imagine... The original tape when they're first doing the table reading and they're all sitting around and just pissing themselves laughing. <laughs> you know, I love how like we. It's so easy to think that Mr. Humphreys and Mrs. Slocum and like, Mr. Mr. Lucas are really funny, but you know Captain Peacock, uh, Frank Thornton is really funny, but he can't yeah. show it, and that's what makes it so funny because that 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 dry kind of wit comes comes out, which is and it's something it's he probably brilliant. doesn't get a lot of credit for. 
Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Everyone's timing is just amazing. Yeah, you can tell that they well, were all very finely tuned. Um, except young Mr. Grace. His timing's a little off. And Mr. Granger. And, <laughs> yeah, we try. Yeah. But this is really cool. I'm trying to remember, like, the dog ate my homework story that Mr. Lucas is about to say. Is this the first time we've heard my poor, dear old sick old mother? Or has he done that before? No, I think he's done that bit before, but never to the extent... Uh, of this one. I don't think that we found out that she wears a hearing aid uh, yet. Oh, okay. Yes. Which just right. adds, I think we've heard that she's an invalid or she's crippled, to use their word. <laughs> um, but never the uh, never the hearing aid, yeah. So they're all bemoaning the fact that they've got to be there 30 minutes earlier. Oh, my and God. They, the, the, the plan is never going to work. humanity. No one's, no one's ever going to come in, right? Almost on cue, the first customer coming runs comes running in asking for the check suit in the window. He grabs it off the rail, throws cash on the counter, and is out the door. Meanwhile, Mr. Granger is still trying to catch up. <laughs> it's a very good morning, sir, don't you think? Good morning, got some sir. <laughs> and Lucas and Humphreys are looking around like, it, it, he's already gone, it's over, you missed him. He's it, such right? an old turtle man, he just it, it can't do so it. It was so good. I yeah. know, it's so funny. <laughs> it was perfect. He plays it so well, just keeping the same rhythm that he normally does. He's not phased at all by like having to like, any sense of urgency. Right? And then someone else comes in and get the gloves or something, and they do a funny sight gag, and it's like they're all connected. Why they would be connected, I don't know, yeah. but it's funny. And then Mr. Ranger's like, "The gentleman's looking for gloves, Mr. Lucas." <laughs> I love how they do that reaffirm thing. Like, isn't that right, Mr. Humphreys? Well, yeah, that is right, Mr. Granger. I do agree. Uh, so funny. It's so cute. I almost want to have a career in retail just because they make it look so much fun. <laughs> so I wanted, I, 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 you know, there's probably another episode where we can talk about this better, but did you know the show, um, Dean, in, in Australia, was there a show uh, called This Is Your Life? Was that a big deal? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, was it a bit... I mean, we watched the repeats of it. Like, we watched the... When we tried to do it ourselves, we didn't care as much about yeah. Australia. Like, like in everything, we when we try to emulate what's in other countries, we don't care as much about doing it. We've got to do it our way. But, yeah, yeah, yeah no, I know all about it, yep. But I don't think... Jeff, I don't think that was ever a big thing in the States, right? I mean, it was probably... I don't know. I, I know it was really big in the UK, but I don't it, remember they, it here. They had it here, but it was kind of like Lawrence Welk era, era oh, like super early seventies, late sixties. Yeah, because uh, so the reason I mentioned it, I know it sounds like a non sequitur, but um... from you, no. <laughs> what squirrel? <laughs> 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 um, but uh, so I think now, Britain, British people, the UK, let me know if we're wrong. But I think in Britain, up until like the seventies and even the eighties. This is your life was a big kind of a big deal because I think you know I, I watched something on YouTube recently of, of um, uh, Danny Larue his uh, This is your life from 1984 I wept twice it was such a beautiful like all of his accolades and all the people he's ever loved in, in show business and stuff came out and just gave him a lot of love but I was googling around and then I saw an episode of John Inman from 1976. Whoa. And I'll post this on our Facebook page. Um, what's really cool is like you think about uh, 1976, John Edmund, like pretty gay, 
right? Yeah. And all these guys who like, and now, do you remember this voice? And it's just like the episode of Our Being Served where like Mr. Lucas, they do, this is your store. This remember is your store, yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah. They were literally just kind of mimicking the thing. And all of these like very queer gay men came out. Like, do you remember your friend Jordan or whatever? And friend. do you remember that time, Roger? John, that we had that lovely evening and watched that very funny film? That was a real <laughs> gas. And then he comes out and they hug. And you can see like they would like stoically shake each other's hands because you couldn't hug on television. Yeah. Because that would be yeah. gay. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, in this show, you learn that John Inman actually was a salesperson at a store that was very much like uh, Grace Brothers. Wow. Which is really That's cool. where he got it from. Okay. Yeah. That's so, very um, cool. Really, really interesting. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> there we go. So anyway, I'll post that on the Facebook. I think the unanimous will enjoy watching. It's pretty cool. Yeah, totally. Um, we get a little bit of a flub because the phone doesn't ring, but Mr. Lucas picks it up. Uh, and he imitates Mr. Humphreys, menswear, in this really kind of creaky oh, voice, yeah. which is pretty funny. Um, it turns out that it's um, Mr. Humphreys' mother worried that he hadn't come home last night. So um, he, tells, uh, he tells her, you know, just don't answer the phone. Um, if someone rings up with a Scottish accent, you're the cleaner and you've never heard, with, heard of me. <laughs> oh, wait. There's someone in a kilt coming up the garden path? Well, lock yourself in the cupboard, dear. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> what kind of a weekend did he have in Newcastle that he's hiding from some Scottish guy? What happens up in Geordie stays in Geordie. <laughs> stays in Geordie? <laughs> I, I mean, know. if only someone would tell me a kilted man is walking up the garden path right now, I'd be so happy, but no. <laughs> I would be busting out of the cupboard door. Right? Completely. Miss um, Browns was over at the pub last night and some 40-year-old man was hitting on her. Um... Miss Slocum thinks, oh, it's quite young, really. That is an uh, so are you being served-ism. Like, my friend Jimmy and I, is. I'll say, like, oh, you, there was a guy on TV. How old was he? And he was like, mm, quite young. Oh, quite young, really. <laughs> oh, he was 48. <laughs> oh, quite young, really. You know, so cute. Um, and it turns out that there was some man who goosed her. And so she ordered a large gin and tonic, put it on his bill, and poured it down the front of his trousers. So Mrs. Slocum is berating that, you know, don't some men, yeah, don't some men take terrible liberties? And this reminded me of Catherine Tate's Nan. Oh, the Nan. Uh, oh, yes. One of her catchphrases. Ah, oh, what a fucking liberty. Fucking liberty. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We were explicit. That's right. We're explicit. But what's really cool is that <laughs> this is another Ari being servedism. And I forgot who was the person that we had that wonderful. Oh, Nick. Um, from Pittsburgh, who, who we heard his, vo his voicemail. Mr. Mike. Mr. Mike. I'm sorry, Mr. Mike. Um, he said that he uses a phrase with one of his friends all the time, and this is one I use all the time. Where exactly is this pub? Like, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Slocum says that, um, which is so cute. I love that. Where exactly is this pub? Hold on. Wait, Gladys? Come on, girl. Come on. <laughs> We've had a lot of catchphrases. Where, where exactly is this pub? Oh, there she there is. Go. All right. Good, good girl. Good girl. So the ladies' chat gets interrupted by our friend from the Isle of Man, who was in two previous episodes. Guest at a wedding, 10.30, need a hat. So this is a very so important, this is a monumentic, monumental, epic moment in the podcast. So how I'm do very we, glad to be here for this episode. Yes. We saved it for you, Dean. How do we mark this very important occasion? Um, maybe what direction should we give the unanimous when they're listening? Like, if you're driving, pull over. 
if you're on a train, get out in the station, um, sit down somewhere comfortable, maybe put your hands together, fold them, clasp them, think of a happy thought. Okay, have you, are you thinking? Okay, ignore that noise you just heard. Okay, is, is your mind empty? empty? Okay, Jeff, proceed. Oh. proceed. Okay, so, so get ready to say it with us. Um, so Miss Brown starts handing her hats out of the rack, right? She tries on one hat, and Mrs. Slocum says... That, oh, that does, does suit madam. madam. Oh, it was good. <laughs> Customer takes off the hat. Miss Brahms hands her another one, and Miss Slocum says, Oh, that, oh, that does, does, does matter, matter. madam. Oh, that was so good. So we repeat this about four times. Miss Brahms puts on, uh, hands her the hat box hat. She tries it on. Miss Slocum isn't even looking at this point. <laughs> oh, that does suit madam. Oh, that Captain does suit come, madam. Captain Peacock comes over. Mrs. Slocum, your needle's stuck in the groove. <laughs> And because we're all old, what that means, children, when you had a record, <laughs> when you had a record and you had a needle in the groove, it means sometimes if you had a scratch on the record, the needle would get caught in a little thing. It would repeat it over and over and over again. So people who are, you know, 20 something, they don't know these things, gentlemen. You're right. They don't know that. We're teaching the children. <laughs> so. The, the customer can't decide to which of the hat. She decides to take all four, so that's 20 pounds spent right there. That's a lot of money. Next, that's a lot of the money. Next, that's and a lot of money. two of those hats did not suit her. Like, like you could no, have been... A, none, she was just no, in no, such no. a rush, you know. She Wedding, chin 30. She, was, she didn't care. She was, she was getting on that tube. And it's 8.30 in the, the morning. I know, right. stupid. Yeah. Where is this wedding that she had to travel at least two hours to? Well, probably Newcastle upon time. It takes She's already going to be two there. hours late. She should have gotten on the boat. <laughs> she should have carpooled with Mr. Humphreys. She should have taken Mr. Humphreys' hat. That would have suited her, and then she would have gotten on the boat and made it there. Uh, three gay men on much the podcast. Yeah, it much turns faster. into a fashion thing, of course. <laughs> um, the next customer comes in and grabs a nighty off the counter without even talking and just shoves cash <laughs> in Mrs. Slocum's hand. Because she needs That's that nighty so badly in the morning. Yeah, she must have had like a quickie or a nooner planned. You know, what does she do with her other night? Got to dress appropriately. Afternoon delight. So it's not even nine o'clock yet, and they've already taken in sixty-five pounds. Some days they only take in thirty-two pence for a pair of socks. They're doing really, really well. Yeah, so a little too well, you might say. A little too well, a little foreshadowing. You know what? I'm craving some queen pudding. Queen. Dean, would you like to join us in the canteen for a tea break? Now, Dean, oh, I have to would... tell you, we are in yep. northern Mississippi, so they don't have Tim Tams. <laughs> they don't have, you know, Dippity Bits or whatever you all have in Kim, Kath and Kim land. But... No, no Golden Gay Times. No Ice Dippity Bits. Yep. Tim, yeah. Tim Tams. So yeah. you'll have no to summon with us. But yeah. thanks for coming out, Dean, to our call center slash um, compound <laughs> here in northern Mississippi. Um, mm-hmm. We have a canteen that we smuggled in. We imported the whole thing from Grace Brothers. Um, so why don't we all nip on down to the canteen? What do you think you might want to get, uh, Dean? Just It's good to have an idea before you go down. Look, it's a perfect day for pudding, as far as I'm concerned. Good. What about you, Jeff? Yeah. No, I think, I, I think you know, if it's got queen in it, uh, I'm there. Queen pudding is... <laughs> I want starch, flavoring, coloring, and monosodium glutamate. So I'm going to see what they have, 
and hopefully the manageress is on vacation, and we'll be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. Oh, can you believe how rude she's been today? Well, typical, isn't it? Typical. I wanted to hit her right in the ruta. Our Aida is what I would say. The food was terrible. Like, I think I found like a, a really old, dusty, stale bag of shapes over in the corner, and I managed to nick them for like 25p and choke them down because the pudding was terrible. It was not good. Just brush that dust off and you're fine. <laughs> I think that's an Australian snack, but I don't know for sure. It is. <laughs> it's an amazing, it's an amazing Australian snack that is brilliant. And they're different shapes and they're savory and they're wonderful, except for pizza, Well, I think which they must terrible. have been in your roll-on baggage or something, because we don't have that here in northern Mississippi. But anyhow. Dean smuggled them to northern Mississippi for mm-hmm. us. It's yeah. dusty old... Rubbishy, yeah. So yeah. we're well, back from from our tea break. Yeah. I had a lovely cup of tea, and that was all. I'm just, you know, I'm just uh, watching my figure. <laughs> and plus, the Queen's pudding was. Not good. One of the things I got confused about when I lived in the UK was how much milk people put in their tea. It just, I could never make any sense of it. Like I'm a black tea kind of person. Oh and no! And they're all milk, milk, nothing but milk. And I That's was working the right in a way business. To do it. I'm sorry. I insulted the partners. I was working in an accounting firm and, and my job was to get them all tea. And the first time they did it, no one explained anything. And I'm like a 22-year-old Aussie kid that's hung over first thing in the morning. And, <laughs> and I just brought everyone a tea and oh, the uproar because there wasn't milk with any of it. I got a stern talking to and then lessons in how to make tea for the next two weeks. No, that's like you're, you're writing, basically. Like you're... You're insulting their parents like that. Oh point. yeah, and but when they were like, "Why wouldn't you put milk with tea?" and I'm like, "Why would you?" But I was also this. I'd obviously never worked any kind of hospitality. When I was working at a bar, and someone asked for half a pint, I got a pint glass out and just poured half a pint glass, <laughs> not thinking, not thinking of actually getting a smaller, like a schooner or a small thing. And no one told me for the first three weeks, and everyone thought it was hilarious until the managers were like, "Okay, this is funny, but he's giving them more <laughs> beer than they should have." So I had to stop. <laughs> Well, unless someone tells you, how do you know? Everyone just assumes you meant to. That's hysterical. I will say, my friend, my friend Jim in uh, the UK, taught me how to make a proper cuppa. Because I was making, because I was staying with him for like a couple of weeks, and I was very grateful. And I'm like, don't worry, I'll make you tea in the morning. I'll be like your butler for two weeks. I'll help you clean. And he's and he said, all right, okay, sure. So I brought him tea, and he's like, Brandon, you're you're very. He's very he's very English in a lovable way. He was like, uh. Brendan, you're you're not making the, pe- the the tea properly. 
<laughs> he said it like that, you know, and I'm like, what do you mean? How are you meant you to know, make it American, golly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he taught me, and now every time I make it, I have to make it very orange because that's the way you want it, and you, you want mm-hmm. to not be able to see the tea bag anymore. Yep. And filled, right like, and they fill it, like, that's why you've got it on a saucer, because it's filled so high. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't get it. I still don't get it. No, I make the tea the way that I want it and don't serve it to anyone else because I know that it's not going to be held <laughs> like, to anyone It's else. all mine. Get away. Uh, so what? where were we in this lovely episode of ours, folks? So when we come uh, when we come back into the next scene, they're in the canteen and Rumbled and uh, Captain Peacock are in the canteen as well because remember they knocked down the wall from the executive dining uh, room. Oh, the building inspector called, yes. Right, so they've got to muck in with everybody else. And Mr. Rumbold is very pleased with how the morning went, uh, comparing himself to Churchill. You work in a shop. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's an extreme reference. Yes. Um, the staff are not happy uh, at, at all. They're really still getting used to this early start. Their entire, like, appetite has shifted. It's been so long since Three, breakfast. 30 minutes. Come it was on. 30 minutes. Come on, right? Yeah. Uh, and they have a bit, a bit of a debate about what real queen pudding is and what this stuff is made of. Um, Brandon, do you want to give us your best, Mrs. Slocum, with what the real ingredients are? It is my pleasure, Jeff, and thank you for asking. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um... <laughs> Suddenly, I wanted to pretend I was like a Hollywood starlet and like, well, I'm 27. I live in Rancho Cucamonga. My favorite things are walking on the beach and I'm a Sagittarius. That bit comes up a bit later. Yes. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> well, what is queen pudding? Well, real pudding is real custard with newly laid eggs, fresh creamy milk, and refined custard sugar. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, Mr. Granger's teeth are caught up in the custard, which I don't understand because it's like the smoothest, softest thing possible. Yeah, yeah. What does he say? He says something like, how did you come to that hypothesis or something? (laughs) I won't say it again. (laughs) But he's like... So the actor is actually doing a really good job here because I can't be convinced that that this gentleman who Arthur Burrow plays him is really having trouble eating the custard. He's dribbling the custard all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And Wendy Richards and Trevor Bannister are cannot control themselves. <laughs> Wendy yeah. has to bury her head in her bowl to keep from <laughs> laughing because she can't even look at him, right? I so, love it when they break up. Um, and I also have to jump in because um, at one point someone says to Mr. Humphreys, how is your queen's pudding? And he says something like, it's not living up to its promise. It, it hasn't quite fulfilled its promise, which yeah. is a queen joke, which is hilarious. So good. So very good. So good. Love it. Um, Hold on. If this Gladys. early story continues. Come on, girl. Come on. She's not been paying attention. Let her she's, rest. I think she's sick. Hold on. Oh, Gladys. Gladys. Having, perfor- having performance issues. Oh, God. Hold on. Hold on. Are you doing mouth to bell? <laughs> Gladys? Okay, she's fine. She's fine. Don't worry. She's all right. Good. Sorry. So if this early story continues, Mrs. Slocum is going to have to change her mailman. Um, but because at first I thought that she no, her didn't milkman. want her milkman. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Because I thought you said I mail. Did I say mailman? I probably did. She's probably um, just thinking of mails. Uh, uh, <laughs> um. I thought it was because she wasn't made up yet. 
and she didn't want anyone to see her like that. But it turns yeah, out that he's, that he's quite a looker because if he hadn't had his fans, hands full of raspberry yogurt, then she wouldn't be here to tell the tale. And she'd still be, she'd be Ooh, better that with him. Dishy like, saucy minx. Ooh, so, I like it. Is milk delivery a thing in Australia? It was years not not to this kind of a degree. I wish it was. I love the I love the idea of milk in a bottle. Like yep. I, I even now when there's the plastic bottle shaped like that, I will just buy it because I love the way that it looks. <laughs> um, I know when I used to we used to go camping for Easter out in the country, it would be. So I mean, I'm sure it was years ago. It's just not now. Before before I was born. But God, wouldn't it be? Especially right now, milk delivery would be heaven. But we've right? got McDon- McDonald's selling milk now, so I just kind of go through the drive-through <laughs> and just get it. From but what there. do you think? What do you think of the states, Jeff? Like, was that done out done in like the seventies? Like, when did that has stop happen? Because so, I know, uh, like on shows like uh, Keeping Up with the Parents, she still has the milk guys yeah. come and deliver it, and that was nineteen eighty-seven, maybe. Well, it's it's still a thing in the UK. It still happens, and yeah. it's yeah. relatively it's relatively affordable over there, right? Um, if you figure you pay uh, 50 pence for a pint of milk in the store, you'd probably pay a pound to have it delivered, yeah. which is mm. somewhat reasonable, right? And what a fun job. Right? I would Get love, up in like, the morning, it would be a fun done thing by to like do. nine. Yeah, yeah. You can do like a little number and little cabaret every now oh, and then. Oh, completely. Yeah, you know, perform for your milk. I would pay extra milk to have like a cabaret drag queen a, star. A, a singing milkman. Well, not drag. Like think how early I'd have to get up to put a face on. It's not just going to be... I'd be more tired than all these characters coming into work. <laughs> you just but, put it on the night before and sleep in it. You'll be fine. I have yes. done that. And, and then locked <laughs> my head. Surrounded, when I had to go on a... On a flight from Melbourne to Sydney, I had a gig one night, and then the next morning I had to go for a Mardi Gras affair day. Uh, and I actually kept the, redid the face, surrounded my head in pillows, and just wrapped my body tight to try not to roll over, and I achieved it. I'm a sleep on my face person, so yeah, I'm sleep forward, Ugh. face squashed. Oh my. Or maybe I just didn't get much sleep, and then I got on the plane the next day. <laughs> Face John. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, my life anyway, back to the milkman. Back to the milkman. <laughs> so milk delivery is actually making a resurgence here in the States. It, uh, about probably three or four years ago, they started to pop up. And it's gain, gaining a little bit of traction because of, of the pandemic, right? But get this. So my local supermarket will charge $2.49 for a half gallon of milk, right? Okay. Milk delivery service would charge $5.65 plus a $5 delivery fee for the same. So I so understand five that times it's, the price. So it's, it's about double. No, it's about uh, four times the price with the delivery fee, right? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. For milk. Well, Jeff, I think we have to have you come clean and admit that you're actually part of the milk advisory board. <laughs> That's your employer. So this is all basically an ad. So just for transparency purposes I think we have to let them know well I gotta tell you for real I actually started cutting back on dairy just because I saw that there was almond milk on special in the store one day and I'm like well why not give it a try right and it's actually almond milk is actually really good and it is less expensive than dairy milk and a lot of my friends have secretly been converting to almond milk in the pandemic. I don't know what it is. Really? Did I say milk advice? I meant to say almond <laughs> milk advisory board. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> oh, that's right. The almond milk advisory board. I recommend. I'm going to have to try some now. Now that you've said it, I'm like, all right, I'll give almond milk a try. 
So the uh, the staff are trying to figure out what they took last Monday to compare, and they figure as long as we don't um, break last Monday's sales record, then the early start isn't going to um, continue, right? So they cook up a ruse to get into Rumble's office to look at the sales records, but they've got oh to draw lo- they've got to draw lots to figure out who's going to go. So Mr. <laughs> Lucas starts making a die out of a sugar cube. He gives it to Granger to roll, and Granger isn't paying attention, and he puts it in his coffee. So cute. And the fact that he just does it and starts stirring, it's so adorable. And I mean, but the whole time, I'm like, I know, and I didn't remember this, but you can see exactly where this is going. Like, it's like all the humor. You see it a mile away, but it's still hilarious. Which is part of the fun, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh. So... After lunchtime, we see the ruse put into action, right? Slocum is going to call Rumbold to bring him onto the floor, and then Lucas is going to dart into the office. So the way Slocum's doing it is she pretends to be a woman who saw uh, Mr. Rumbold last night in the squash gallery and says, you know, I'm here in the store thinking he's going to panic because he's a happily married man and, you know, uh, leave his office. Can Can one of you do it? The voice. I mean, surely you're the one that would. You've got the. You're, you've been doing all the voices. I can't. I absolutely. Can't. I can't fall. But the script is amazing. <clears throat> you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I love it. Our eyes didn't meet at the squash club, and you're so sexy. <laughs> So oh, good. I'll just go over my vital statistics again. I'm 21 with a 40-inch bust. <laughs> well done. I'm actually really hot now, and my, my 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 neck is all veiny. It's very difficult for me. So good. But I love it that she's like, I'll just go over my vital statistics again. And then Captain Peacock walks over and he sees her saying, I'm 21, blonde, long blonde hair and a 40 inch bust. And it is so cute to see Mrs. Slocum um, saying that as if she's like trying to misrepresent herself to somebody. It's so good. So good. Mrs. Slocum, uh, we do not contravene the Trades Descriptions Act. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so good. Love it. Such good scripting. <laughs> Mr. Lucas ducks into Rubble's office, goes through the files, but the phone rings. So he, Mr. Rumbold comes back and catches him in the act. And so Mr. Lucas claims that he was stopping by the office and he heard the phone ring and he went to answer it. Well, there's such a long time by which this phone rings again that it's like, well, that's not really a good excuse, but Rumbold buys it anyway. So... Lucas picks up the phone. Are you 21 with a 40-inch bust? And this young Mr. Grace on the other end of the side. No, I'm 80 oh, with so short cute. white hair and hardly any bust at all. It was so cute. He has to look down to, to yeah. try to describe to, his to own check bust. His bust. <laughs> I love, I always forget about Mr. Grace. And he's always got such great lines. And I always forget about him. He is so cute. And yeah. I will say, going back to the uh, 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 that This Is Your Life, John Inman episode, all of the staff from the show come as a group and like hug him and stuff and um Miss, young mr grace is there and i think he, he died, was still like, alive wow. yeah he died like maybe nine months after that and wow. it was so cute to see him there you have yeah. to put this on the facebook page because oh, yeah, now definitely, i really want to watch it i really want to watch yeah, it. it's really cute yeah he's fantastic so, though so they find out that last monday they took 325 pounds and they've already done 320 and it's only 230 
So they agree to stop selling by putting the customers off, right? So they, they've already had a slowdown or a strike, right? When um, yeah. Mr. Mash called them together when they were going to get their coffee break um, taken away or whatever. They had to write their name in the coffee book. So they know how not to sell. But it feels like they've got to like reinvent themselves and relearn it all over again, right? They're just too um, good at selling. So over in the ladies' department, a gentleman is waiting around. Captain Peacock is talking to him, uh, and it turns out that um, his wife is buying an evening dress for 95 pounds. Mrs. Slocum runs in to get Miss Brahms and stop her. She doesn't want to stop because she wants her commission. Yeah. Um, but we, Peacock and uh, Slocum are playing against each other because Slocum is trying to put the, them off by so pitting good. the husband against the wife. And then Peacock catches on and defends the husband, right? Yeah. Um, so they basically become it's like... It's so um, good. It's such a good They represent each other. Yeah, yeah. This is a really good four-handed scene, right? Because you've yeah. got the husband and the wife, who we don't know, who are also starting... They're starting to be, they're play at each other. They're starting to um, despise each other and resent each other. Well, I wanted a washing machine. Well, take that dress off for a start. You look like a turkey. And it is a ridiculous dress. Like, it is it's just... It's because they don't show it, they really only show the shoulders. It's not till she walks away in a huff that you see that it's actually cut really nice, except she absolutely looks ridiculous on the shoulders. She does look... This is not meant for a, a staffed firm dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I, right. I think they did this very same thing where... No, I'm trying to remember. Wasn't there... Oh, the, the episode where Mrs. Slocum is trying to sell... Or not sell like two fur coats, one for his wife and one and for one his for girlfriend. And one for the mistress. And yes. the same thing happens where like, um, I see what you're doing. You, I'm old and I've given my best years, and you know now you're trying to give it to this floozy. And like somehow Mrs. Miss Brahms is like fighting for the, the for the girlfriend or something. So it's like the, the weird thing where they kind of like invest themselves into their yeah. their customers for some reason. It's so weird. It's, it's so cute. Yeah. yeah. So um, the, the, the actress who plays the wife, uh, she's played by Anne Cunningham, who yeah. um, was actually not in the Lloyd and Croft troupe, but she was actually on Coronation Street for a long time Ta-da. in the 60s, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Na-na-na-na-na. Um, there you go. I love Corrie. Um, <laughs> I love Corrie and East Yeah. She, she ends up flubbing her lines because she says, the truth is coming out now, isn't it? Twice, Right. <gasps> Once in, um, once in the beginning when she realizes that, when she gets called to Turkey, and then in the end when she realizes that um, it's pro- he's probably having an affair with the girl on the adding machine, the comp time. Oh. Right? So she starts tearing the sleeves off the dress, and Peacock is like, you're going to have to pay for the damages. Um, but in the end, she doesn't actually sell the dress. So we get back into the office, into Mr. Rumble's office. Mr. Grace is waiting there to see how the takings are because it's five minutes before closing time. And it turns out that they're 20 pounds short on last Monday's total. So they must have had a return for 15 pounds because there was only a five pound offset <laughs> a couple of hours ago. I love Jeff that, again, every episode, Jeff does, like, his Jeff thing. And he has just, detail. like, figured out the accounting <laughs> error in 1976 at Grace Brothers. Yeah. Uh, we get a really good misdirect joke from Mr. Humphreys, who says, you know, the, the stress is getting at me. I can't, I can't wait anymore. It's uh, five minutes to go, and I've lost eight pounds today in commission. In commission. <laughs> yeah, love it. <laughs> oh, um, homonyms. 
they're all they're all congratulating each other on what they did to put off some customers. Uh, it was really cheeky to tell that Arab customer that they were Jewish umbrellas. That's so stupid. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Sh- sure, because umbrellas have religion now. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next guy and that I uncut, in, and I uncut, I had umbrellas <laughs> without the hood, without a cover. Yes. <laughs> um. So the next guy who walks in, Dean, the next guy who comes in, um, I remember his face. There's something about his face because when, um, so, okay, I'll, I'll explain. So what happens is this guy walks in and his name is Reg Dixon, right? And yep. he's um, from a couple of movies that I've never heard of called No Smoking and Love and Pawn. They're probably great. I don't know. But... Um, <laughs> So he walks in, he's like, it, it kind of like the guy, I want that check shoot. He's like, I want this raincoat uh, for 28 pounds. And they say, oh, it's marked up to 40. He walks away and he's like, no, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do the one in the window. And they say, oh, no, I'm sorry. That one's a size 34. Oh, I'll only need 40. Okay. So he walks away and he stops. And it's cute because Mr. Humphrey says, I don't believe it. He turns around walking out. Now, I've worked retail. I've worked with the people. I've worked in a call center or something where it's like, uh, let's say you stop at 7. 6.59 comes around, and the phone freaking rings. Of course. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. believe it. Of course. So this guy, and if they sell to this guy, they will make more money, and then they'll have to come in early every day. So um, Mr. Granger walks in, and he's like, I, I don't want to come in early. So he's, he walks up to him, and he says, you've got a fat face Picky eyes and a pimple on your nose. <laughs> and so I good. remember this. I remember this actor's face because when the camera zooms in on the customer's face after Granger has said this, he has the sweetest little facial yeah. expression. He's gonna he's burst like, into tears. He's gonna I, well, or he's kind of he's kind of smiling in an embarrassed kind of way, and then his lip kind of quivers. I think he didn't know how to look annoyed and like. And flabbergasted, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because he didn't. He just kind of had this sweet little cherubic kind of chubby little face. <laughs> For some reason, I just remember that face. I don't know. It was quite cute. Yeah. yeah. The customer complains to Captain Peacock, and Captain Peacock's like, well, Mr. Granger, did you insult this customer? Captain Peacock, do I look at the kind of person who would insult a customer? No, I'm sorry, Ernest, of course not. And the bell rings, and as the end of the episode... They didn't make the sale. They're not coming in early next week. Yay! Yay! They win. The oh team triumphs again without a young Mr. Grace Deus Ex Machina. He didn't have to come in and swoop <laughs> in and solve it all. Yeah. Never mind. It you all did very well. <laughs> um, that's a fantastic episode. I, I know yeah. I say that after every episode. I've noticed <laughs> the podcast. I say, that's a really great episode. What a great but, episode. But, but it is. I mean, even it just. It was. Yeah. Growing up watching these, I think this is one of the reasons why I loved acting and performing is, like you say, we, you were saying those bits where this stuff up happened or that happened there, or, you know, the yeah. phone didn't ring or, you know, it all gets missed. But you're watching this mini stage play and it's hilarious and fantastic and it's just great. So now, Dean, because we have you on and um, it's it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, so, <laughs> you're welcome. Um <laughs> 
Jeff and I have rambled on, and I'll, I'll speak for myself. I have rambled on and on because <laughs> Jeff's like now probably giving me a, a look. Um, but I, I go on and on about how important Mr. Humphreys was in kind of gay, queer TV and cinema and stuff. So um, since you are from another, another culture, another country, how would you say Jananda. Humphreys – it, was that like a big deal? I mean, no, that, this is all a bit before our time because this is 50 years ago. But I mean, I'd yes, love to hear your thoughts. Yes and no. I guess for me, I mean, we all knew that was the gag and that was the joke. For me, he just seemed more British than anything yeah. else. Like, I, I, it's hard because I look at it and go, the character must have influenced me in so many different ways. As a right, man. yeah, me too. Absolutely must have. There's no question about it. But also, then I think, well, who did? You know, what shows did? And, and I'm not quite sure. Like, obviously, Mr. Humphreys was there. But then I kind of go, so was Mrs. Slocum's hair. Like, that's just <laughs> yeah, as queer yeah. as anything else, if I'm going to take it from the show. Um, and, but, yeah, also, it's the fact that, you know, seeing someone, such cheeky humour that kids aren't going to get. And this is a show that I would watch at five or six o'clock in the evening. You know, every single day at home, it'd be mixed. It was the beauty of, um, it was the beauty of community, not community television, but whatever the public broadcasters are, like we have with yeah, ABC. Yeah, no. You know, they would get these shows and everything. And this is a show that if it was on at 7.30 at night, families were watching it together. It was that whole laughing thing. I remember at a time in my life when it was on Saturdays before Young Talent Time, which was where all, all the kids were performing and they probably all seemed ridiculously gay in their glitter outfits too. <laughs> but, you know, like, and I know I forgot, you know, Barry Humphreys' character, Jay Medna, at the start of the podcast. But, you know, we had this where there was a man in a dress acting like a woman. Um, having, being able to have queer characters that weren't necessarily saying that's what they were or that's who they were, but being so happy and so free. Like having Mr. Mr. Humphreys, really, and, and Mrs. Slocum, they are the linchpins of so much. Totally. So much, you know, great comedy and great moments in that show. But I guess it's just that funny thing where I never really thought about it. But then it's that thing as well where I was one of those kids with a very high voice, a lot higher than it is now. And that I was always told in auditions or things like that, I've got to get my voice down. So maybe yeah. a part of me goes, you know, watching this show and seeing someone just be that epivescent, it had to have influenced me. I've just never put much thought into it because I'm too busy laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a beautiful thing. And, you know, I... Um I, I relate a lot, I relate to a lot of what you said. Um, watching, you know, doing the podcast. Honestly, like like I always say, like taking a good hour and giving the respect to each episode, where we can like respect it and look into the different jokes and like explain yeah. the cultural stuff we didn't know growing up. Um, but you know, I think the, the same thing to myself. Like, how did Mr. Humphreys influence me? And I think about the way I like kind of ham it up with people and kind of do little jokey flirty things with people I work with and just like, you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm sure if I had a third party looking at me, they could probably say, you got that from Ari being served. You got that from Mr. Humphreys. You got that. Oh, from absolutely. You know? It must have. And but when you think about a lot of the TV shows and culture of the time, whether they were variety programs or things like that, gayness, like, I don't know how to say it. Like, it's because it's not queerness, but. I guess the joyful faggotry of it all, like that, that yeah. lovely, like, la-di-da, limp wrist. It was in so many different places. And it's just that whole, but it wasn't talked about bit. You know, it's, it's we all knew mm -hmm. what it was. We all knew what the situation was. And this is what I love about it. And maybe that's one of the reasons why I love performing and why I love entertaining hmm, in, yeah. in so many ways as well, is because you didn't have to say it. 
you know, it was there, everybody knew, and these were times where in some spaces it was illegal, you know? Yes, on TV. The I remember the groundbreaking thing of having two gay you know, two men kiss or two men hold hands, all these huge. moments. And and we still get them. We still get those huge moments in a lot of different ways, but now we're seeing a lot of series just constantly having those boundaries be normalised. But this was a time where you couldn't do those things, so the creative ways and artistry that they expressed it around it all, I loved it. That representation, I think, because it was unnamed and it was so infrequent, that's what made it that much more special because it was spotlighted and highlighted. Yeah, Yeah, and I was just going to say um, absolutely what you both are saying. I I think... um, the fact that Mr. Humphreys is a positive, like outgoing, happy person. Yeah. And he never actually said the word he was gay, but we all knew. I mean, he was. Yeah. You know, it was a BBC censoring thing that he couldn't have said it, which kind of is a little cultural factoid of the time that I like. You know, not that I like that they did it, but it just shows how much we've progressed, right? But, you know, I yeah. think it's good to see yourself in the media. And Mr. Humphreys, like, everyone loved him, you know, in Christmas Crackers. Um, the the line that Mrs. Brahms and Miss Brahms and Mrs. Slocum say, um, Mr. Humphreys is so beguiling. It's his smile that's so divine. <laughs> you know, they loved him. You know, yeah. and I think as little gay boys, like we wanted to people to love us because we we're also getting the weird, you know, you're bad for being who you are for existing. Like so, we were looking for these. You know, this is turning into like an LGBT studies thing, but. Um, you know, I think Mr. Humphreys, like, especially for fans of the show, and we've heard from, like, superfan Julia, like, who's a, a straight-identifying lady. She's like, you know, I, I love Mr. Humphreys for, like, that representation. Yeah, so that's absolutely. cool. I like that. I wish there was more of it. Like, it, honestly, now, I know we've evolved and, and we like to see the diversity and because that is not, that one note is not what we always are, but I always find it funny now yeah. when there's a character like that. You know, a lot of people get up in arms because they're like, we're not all like that. And I'm like, oh, but so many of us are and that should be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's because of, we grew up with this. And back then, like, John Inman and the show got a lot of flack from gay yeah, men. Yeah, and, and lesbians and everyone. Because, like, that's not, that's not who we are. But you're right. Some of us are. So, yeah. there we go. And, and why can't we just let it be seen? Well, yeah. I think maybe we have um, exp- expressed as much as we can at the moment. Um, but it would be cool maybe to, like, have an episode on this one day. But we'll see what happens. So, speaking of queer representation, Dean, is there anything that you'd like to plug where people can uh, have you see you express your queerness. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, <laughs> in an entertaining uh, right way. now because I'm locked away. Uh, social media, uh, you can jump in onto my social media. Look up Frock Hudson on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or Dean Curie or Dean Nation on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. I'm jumping around on all of them, and you know whatever I do or however I do it, I'm constantly pushing as much queerness as possible. So from uh, f- yeah, I do. And actually, at the moment, like uh, anyone that's following me would know, I'm currently in ISO to kind of lift people's spirits. I got a uh, caftan from uh, there was in the first round of lockdown. I've got a rainbow caftan, and the money raised from buying the caftan was going to support the Stonewall in from mm-hmm. make, uh, being able oh, to have, stay you. open. So I got one. And now I've just been running around Melbourne taking photos. So every single day I'm posting a picture of me in a rainbow caftan or something. But everything I do, whether it's journalism, photography, all of it, is always bound in in my queerness and my community. So 
Follow me on anything and you'll see it all. I think it's the best <laughs> way. Look for a rainbow Thanks. and he's probably at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> so um, next week, Jeff, what are we going to be talking about? Sadly, without D- Dean, I'm afraid, but we'll, we'll have to get over I'll that one day. I'll be listening, though. I'll be listening. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Uh, so next week we're talking about Top Hat and Tails, and that's the one where the staff enter a ballroom dancing competition. Ooh, that's a good one. We're it's all excited one. for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, Dean, um, it's been a sheer pleasure. You're unusual. You're unique. You're nice. Thank you, ladies and thank gentlemen. Thank you so Dean. much for joining us, Dean. Yay. Oh, thank you both. This was awesome. All right. Well, I guess that's a wrap, folks. Thanks so much for... Uh, for joining us and thanks unanimous uh, yeah thanks unanimous and um jeff if people want to get in touch how do they do it so you can get in touch with us on facebook or on twitter or you can write us an old-fashioned email at that does suit madam with an e at gmail.com or you can call the peacock hotline at 662 peacock that is 662-732-2625. That's Thanks, all. everybody. Bye. You've all done very well. You've all done very well. Bye, Dean. Bye, Jeff. Bye, everybody. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? Do not play your headset at high volume.